When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In today's episode, I interview licensed marriage and family therapist Whitney Hawkins Goodman on the dangers of toxic positivity, signs of gaslighting, what not to say to someone who is grieving, how to be truly empathetic and what parents should not say to their children when trying to help them through anxiety or a hard situation. Whitney is the owner of the Collaborative Counseling Center, is trained in EMDR, CBT for anxiety, the Gottman Method, and more. She has worked with and helped cancer patients and the chronically ill, couples covering from affairs and addiction, people with anxiety or depression, and adults addicted to substances or in the early stages of recovery from addiction. She has specialized in helping couples and individuals who have experienced chronic illness, medical trauma, and other types of distressing or traumatic life events. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys found helpful. Now, on to today's episode. Whitney, welcome back. I'm so excited to talk to you again. We had such an amazing conversation recently on a live. So welcome back to take this conversation deeper. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited to be here. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. Well, can you tell my listeners just to start a little bit about yourself, something that's not in your bio and why do you do what you do? What keeps you motivated? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Whitney Goodman. I'm a licensed psychotherapist in Miami. I really love doing this job because I think it's so important that we talk about our emotions, our mental health. I had a really wonderful experience going to therapy as a child. And I think that had such a profound impact on me that I wanted to be able to give that to other people. And I do a lot of my work on social media just because I think we need to normalize talking about our mental health. Oh, I love that. That is so important. Normalize talking about our mental health. We're all humans and life is hard and we all react. And mental health is not the scary illness thing out there. It's actually human reactions that can get extreme and we can all learn to deal with it if we work together. So that's so great. That's incredible. Now, we spoke a lot about toxic positivity on the live and I really want to dive back into it because you handle it extremely well and you put up some really fantastic posts on your your page. Your handle is sit with it for those people that want to and we'll put that 
that in the in the show notes as well. So I thought let's just start by defining, you know, I want to pick up on this conversation. Let's define toxic positivity, what it is, what does it look like, what does it sound like, and maybe give us a few examples. Yeah, absolutely. So toxic positivity can sound a lot like an oxymoron or it's confusing to people. So I want, I always start by saying that positivity is not toxic. Positivity can become toxic in a few key ways. So some of those are that it's when we use positive platitudes, like you're going to be fine or just get over it or don't worry about it. In situations where someone is looking for validation, comfort, or just for you to sit with them. It also becomes toxic when we use it to ourselves to shame ourselves for having normal emotions. So we might say like, I shouldn't be feeling like this anymore, or I have so much to be grateful for. It's not a big deal. All of these are ways that we try to like get ourselves out of having what I consider to be a human reaction to Mm -hmm. Toxic positivity can also be used to gaslight people or to shame them. So we see this a lot in racism, like we talked about on that live and also in other situations where people have gone through a big struggle. Okay, fantastic. Well, that's a really great overview. So I want to get to gaslighting and define it for people. But Kenny, we can just hang around the definition of toxic positivity. You've got an amazing post and I'm actually pulling it up at the, and you talk about, not the, not the grief edition, I want to get down to the, ba- here we go. Using, you just said that using, what is toxic positivity? And you said using phrases or statements in an attempt to like end a conversation, tell someone why they should not be feeling what they're feeling, encourage people to always be happy and never feel any negative emotion, always appeal, appear happy and carefree, especially in moments where someone is sharing something vulnerable, take talking about the emotions or trying to share about some type of hardship or struggle. Talk a little bit about that. I think positivity is always really well-intentioned, but sometimes it doesn't give us the result that we're looking for. So when we talk about using it to end the conversation, sometimes we're using a platitude instead of maybe setting a boundary or saying like, hey, I can't really talk about this right now. So instead, we will just fire off one of these sayings. Okay, I've got to interrupt you there. That is brilliant what you've just said, that people don't know how to end a conversation and they'll they'll fire it off to end the conversation when it's better to be more honest and authentic and say, look, I can't talk about this now. So it's so interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. You throw out a platitude instead of actually removing yourself and setting the boundary. Very, very interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people always ask me like, well, what if I don't want to help or I don't want to listen or I can't be there? That's okay. You don't have to always be this beacon of support. But I think that it's better to tell somebody, you know, I can really tell that you're struggling with this. I don't think I'm the best person to help you or I don't have the bandwidth to help you. Instead of saying like, you'll get over it. It'll be fine. Mm. Look at all the good things in life. You know, that feels worse. Go and write five gratitude statements since, you know, it's like, and then your whole thing has just been, yeah, just been shot. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. And then you also talk in, in terms of toxic positivity, you talk, you make a statement that's very interesting about how the intentions are very often good, but the impact is what we've really got to consider. So we've got to relook at how we say things. And you say we need to be much more aware, much more recognizing. It's, it's a matter of recognizing what we're saying and why we're saying and the impact. Have I explained that? Can yeah. You yeah, absolutely. Take I that think a little. There's, there's a debate between like impact versus intent, right? And so yeah. we have to think about like, yes, our intent can be good but we can also hurt somebody. So it's like when you step on somebody's foot and it hurts them, you didn't mean to step on their foot, you didn't want to hurt them, but they're still in pain. 
Yeah. So thinking about how we can validate what someone's going through in a way that works for them, not just in a way that feels good for us. Mm. Okay. So if you stood on their toe metaphorically, but you've actually hurt them through something you've said that was unintentional, how do you fix it? I think first it's recognizing and saying, you know, validating, okay, yeah, I hurt you in whatever way I stepped on your foot. I can see why that would hurt validating it. And then Mm. after the fact, it's okay to explain like, you know, I really didn't mean to, but I understand that it hurt you. And then it's always good to ask like, how can we do better next time? How can I talk Mm. about this in a different way? How can I be careful so as not to step on your foot? That's so good. So it's a matter of acknowledging the person's reaction, not getting defensive, not saying, oh, I didn't even mean to do that, which is a very natural sort of initial response. It's rather to say, oh, I'm sorry, I really am sorry. So it's apology, recognition of their pain and saying, how can I fix this? How can I help you in the future? What can I do? What do you need me to do to make this better kind of thing? And that's then, I mean, just just saying that, I'm thinking of incidents in my life where that's happened. If that person had said that to me, I would immediately have felt better. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Just getting that recognition and that acknowledgement that like our pain is valid and we're not overreacting or being dramatic feels mm-hmm. really good. And I think that is like 50% of the battle. It is definitely because immediately you feel valued. And as soon as you feel valued, everything changes about how you function mentally and physically. So that's such a valid thing. You also mention a couple of things like the typical sort of statements are, you'll be fine. It's nothing. Just smile. Have so much to be grateful for. You'll get over it. Just be happy. At least it's not X. These are these phrases are not toxic or dismissive. It's about the why, when, and who you are using them with. So we've discussed it a little bit, but just take it just a little bit deeper. Just expand on that a little bit for... Yeah, absolutely. So I think positivity becoming toxic really depends on our timing, the audience, and the topic at hand. So there are a couple of topics that I think are particularly difficult to talk about and can be challenging when we're trying to like use too much positivity. And for me, those are like death and loss, infertility, illness, racism, sexism, homophobia, following a traumatic Mm -hmm. event, parenting, physical appearance. All of these are like really big things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference. I think where we can separate is if you're standing in a line and you're waiting and you're complaining about how long the line is, that might be an appropriate time for someone to say like, oh, we're going to be there soon. Don't worry about it very different to use those statements when we're talking about a topic as big as those as, ones that I yeah. just listed. So that's the grief and the homophobia and the racism and the infertility and the major illness, physical appearance. Those are those are hot buttons. So it's to be, and we all know what those, pretty much we know what those hot buttons are. So it's a matter of us being more self-regulated and thinking through before we just shoot off because we become a society that just boom, boom, boom. We just don't think through. We just shoot off. We need to take time to process. You know, the work I do in the brain with neuroscience, what we see is that there's in the first 30 to 90 seconds of hearing something, someone making a statement or experiencing something, there's a massive amount of chemical and neurochemical and genetic adjustment that's actually happening in your brain and your body as your mind pushes that information through the brain in the processing stage. 
stage and it's not a good time to respond. So I always tell people, and I'm kind of thinking this goes hand in hand with what you're saying, is don't respond for at least 30 to 90 seconds because then you've got a chance to actually think through the impact and, you know, is this a big, you can ask in your head silently, is this one of these hot button topics? What should I do? How do I, well, so that those things, I think you said timing, context, and what were the three things? Yeah, it's timing, your audience, and also the topic. Topic, timing, audience, and topic. So to use those 30 to 90 seconds to look at those three before you just blurt something out. And that may be a way of self-regulating that you use the statements in a more effective way. Who gets to decide if my positivity is dismissive or toxic? I found that fascinating. Yeah, the the person who is receiving your positivity, they get to decide ultimately. And this can make us kind of defensive. You know, mm. we go back to that, like, but my intentions were good. And it's great if your intentions are good, that matters. But I know I encourage people to try to be good helpers, not just to Mm. feel like they're being good helpers. And that means listening to how people want us to show up for them and doing it in that way. Mm, Listening to how people want us to show up for them. So that requires you to really tune into someone else and not do it from, this is how I see it. So it's got to be my perspective. So it requires a little bit of you going out there. It always reminds me of cubism, which is a form of quantum physics where Christopher Fuchs, who's the main guy in that area, he talks about, it's not you, it's you in the world. You know, so you, it's never just about you. It's always about you. Very important, but it's you in the world. And that's where what you're kind of talking about there. How is this different to toxic positivity, positive affirmations, the attraction concept, you know, because positive affirmations have been such a big thing. And I'm like, really weary of there's a lot of science behind that then and impact around those that is not so great so what's the difference between them yeah so i'm i'm also not a really big fan of all the positive thinking or the attraction theory Mm. i don't ascribe to it very much just because i think it only works in a vacuum yes and unfortunately only works for a certain type of person that already has a lot of things in order in their life And so the theory about toxic positivity is really that we need to make space for the fact that the systems that we have set up in our world don't provide the same advantages to everybody. And that means that it's more about just what you're thinking. Like your Mm -hmm. thoughts are very important, but there's so much more going on here than just thoughts. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at the context of the person, the whole narrative, which is your thoughts, which is one perception, it's your perception of the world that governs your perception of the world, but you're also in a world of whatever and your unique story and the past and the potential future and all that kind of stuff. So you're saying all that needs to be considered. Very, very interesting how you've answered that. I love that. Okay. So what can you do to course correct if you find that you start being, you know, you start becoming aware that, oh gosh, I've been doing that. How can I train myself to become much more aware of the impact of my intentions? Yeah. I think the first thing is to not try to go into like shame. I think a lot of us might feel like, oh gosh, I've been doing this wrong. I haven't been helpful. And it's okay. We all do this, myself included, more than I'd like to admit. It's been programmed into us. We hear other people Mm -hmm. say it. So we keep saying it. So just being forgiving and compassionate with yourself. And then also, I just think curiosity is... Mm -hmm the way to approach all of this. If somebody's sharing with you about something that they're struggling with, ask questions, get curious, ask them what it's like for them. Don't try to fix the problem. It's really just more about like, how can we show that we're being compassionate and that we're there for them? 
I love that. So the two things is don't go into a state of shame because all of us are relating to what you're saying. So instead of because shame makes you feel stuck, it's rather take that shame energy and convert it into curiosity. If I'm hearing what you're saying correctly and curiosity is, okay, I'm sorry, how did I hurt you? Let me learn from this experience so that I don't do it again. So the one is progressive and the one just gets you stuck and you're going to feel bad and the person's going to feel bad. But the other one is constructive and building towards a relationship, improving. That's fantastic. Let's talk about shame and guilt, but how would you, because there is a distinct difference between shame and guilt. Can you talk about that toxic positivity and guilt? Yeah, absolutely. So I think with shame, right, we're feeling that like I am a bad person and guilt Mm -hmm. is more that you did something wrong. Toxic positivity, I think over time can make us feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. It can make us shame ourselves because we get this sensation of like, I'm supposed to be happy. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to feel good. And I just can't get there. Mm. It can make us feel guilty as well when people are sharing with us that like, we just need to be more grateful and we need to do that. And we just can't seem to make it work. Mm. And I, I really think that gets us stuck in this feedback loop of just not being able to achieve moments of happiness at all because we're feeling ashamed about not being happy. And it's a self-defeating cycle. Mm, self-defeating cycle. That's brilliant. So the guilt is just to stress the shame is more like I'm a bad person versus guilty is it something that I've done. So we've got to be very careful that we don't get stuck in the shame, use the shame to almost move into the guilt, to move into the progression forward. And it's, it's self-regulation. It's one of the things that I train and have done research for 38 years in mind brain stuff. And, and the biggest factor, overriding factor that determines everything is self-regulation because self-regulation leads to awareness, which leads to autonomy, which leads to con- you know level of awareness and control and then you can start changing. So that's kind of the big picture of what you've just said. You become aware of how you are speaking and and awareness of that of the impact and feel the shame convert it to guilt and then start asking the questions, become curious. So it's, it's a growth process. So we never have to, we never have to feel okay, I think what you said there's also we never have to feel like we are stuck in this world that pushes positivity all the time and that there's something wrong if you you don't feel like that because there are periods in your life where you may have a year or two where you just it's really hard to be happy about much and that's okay we need to stand beside you but this world will tell you oh you're clinically depressed and that's not even a valid scientific distinction that people should be given so i'm very glad you stressed that that we've got to be very careful of that in itself is very toxic it's almost like we have to give ourselves permission to experience those negative emotions and i always say that Whitney, i always tell people that actually would depression anxiety shame guilt all these things we should actually celebrate not for the fact that they are toxic emotions but before the fact that they are messages they signals they tell you something and the celebration is in the fact that now i have awareness of so now i can move forward if you're not aware and you're just feeling all this like uh and you haven't defined it that's not growing you it's not helping you move forward and you get even more toxic okay you talked about gaslighting so let's just you mentioned that earlier on so let's talk a little bit and i think you talk about that in terms of the toxic positivity and the racism edition and you have a great post where you talk about toxic positivity and the other side you've got a table validation and action and then you give a very nice explanation and i think you talk about gaslighting in there let's define gaslighting and then let's work into the hot button of racism and toxic positivity sure So gaslighting is really a manipulation tactic or an abuse tactic that's used to make you question your own reality, deny your own thoughts. It's a destabilizing type of tactic. And I find that often positivity can be used very much in this way. If I'm somebody that's feeling a really challenging emotion and somebody tells me, 
you should be grateful. You should be happy for all that you have. Why are you feeling like this? You know, their message is is positive in a sense. Mm, They're trying mm. to show me what I should be grateful for, but I'm getting these conflicting messages of like, wait, but I'm feeling this, I'm feeling sad. Mm. And you're telling me I shouldn't be feeling that way. And when you experience that consistently over time, it can really make you question your emotions Mm. and, and how you respond to things, which is very similar to how people experience gaslighting or that type of psychological abuse manipulation Mm. exactly it's a very manipulative tool and it's done often with a smile on one's not always but sometimes someone's smiling but you walk away from that feeling oh something's wrong here they said nice stuff but there's an underlying current of that this wasn't in my best in, in my best interests okay so coming to the in terms of racism this sort of thing the kind of comments that are made that are toxically positive. So they sound positive, but they're toxic. We're all just one human race. Let's just love each other. I don't see color. I love everyone the same. We need to focus on the good in the world. That's what people who make it in life are doing. They don't just sit around complaining about things or society loves black people. Look at how many successful, blah, blah, blah. It's just a few of them. And then you have some great validation action tools or steps. You can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Those statements are things that I have heard a lot of other white people saying in response to racism. And to me, I was like, gosh, this sounds, this is toxic positivity to a T. We are using positive statements like let's all love each other. We're all one human race to invalidate the pain of another group and really force them to like look on the bright side in a moment that is not so bright. Mm. And I actually think that if we're using these statements, we really run the risk of not making any changes that we need to make and, and mm. radically you know, augmenting our current state. We need some mm. negativity and criticism for that to happen. Mm, that's so good. So we, we need to be able to look into the dark places and admit those are, are there. So it's almost it's almost like toxic positivity has been used in this modern era to hide the ugly. And that's be- become a very strong philosophy. And I honestly think it's got so much to do with positive psychology because there was a definite shift where people were trying to move away from just focusing on the negative, but they swung in the other side of the, the pendulum swung completely in the other direction. Meanwhile, it's all about a balance of the two. It's not one or the other. It's a balance of the two we're appropriate. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you that there's been an over-reliance, I think, now on positive thinking, where we really should be somewhere in the middle where we can embrace the entire spectrum. Exactly. And see that within, you can only really appreciate the positive when you actually understand the experience of the negative. And it's through the negative that you really grow into the positive. And, but this whole thing of, I don't know how many times someone said to me, but I've read my 10 positive statements. I start, I've got 50, someone, someone that someone had like nearly 50 that they read out every day. And I said, you know, you could be using that time because they still weren't progressing to actually work out what the toxic issue is that's making you feel depressed in the first place. You know, so it's a, it's a whole shift that you've got to get into. Okay. Then you took, you did a fascinating post just, uh, just recently a couple of days back on the grief edition. And I thought this is fantastic because there's so much to talk about, not grief being fantastic, but in terms of just to talk about that because there's so much grief, there's so much death in the world and grief. And grief's not just death. It's it's also the loss of a lifestyle. It's a loss of a job. It's a loss of finances. It's a loss of a way of living. It's a loss of connection with people and all that kind of stuff. So let's talk a little bit about, I thought maybe I can just read the statement that you put and then you talk about it. So you say there, so this is obviously someone who's died. They're in a better place place. Why is that not helpful? 
It's very hard to tell someone who's just lost their loved one that the where the person is is better than them being there with him with them in this place or on earth. I think for some people who are religious, this might be helpful to them. But with religion, I urge people to always check in with the person that you're helping and make sure that they ascribe to those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not helpful. They don't believe that the person went to a place. Yeah. They don't believe in a place that is better than this. And mm-hmm. so you need to clarify that. I've also heard this being used in cases where even like a child has died or someone has died mm-hmm. tragically. And that doesn't really make sense, you know, to mm-hmm. use that phrasing. Mm. So what should they be saying? I got a lot of suggestions from my community on this, and most of them were really rooted in just being there and showing up. So I think we talked about this in our Instagram live, like doing something rather than asking, how can I be there for you? Sending a card, showing Mm -hmm. up with a dinner, going on a walk with them, Mm -hmm. calling and leaving a nice voice message or sending a text. Mm -hmm. All of these things that are really rooted in action versus trying to just like make them feel better. Mm, with with a platitude that is kind of almost like sometimes I'll talk about you know I'll pray for you pass the buck pray you know like okay I've prayed now I've done my duty it's pass the buck it's you know that kind of concept so whereas if you just go and sit with someone I mean I know when I've been in a bad place and someone just comes and sits with me and says I'm sorry it's just it's so comforting to know that I'm not alone in that situation and I think that's what you exactly. were exactly yeah and, and even just to say I don't know what to say you know that's okay it's okay yeah it's okay to say like this is really heavy and I don't know what to say, but I'm going to sit here with you and just be honest. Don't act like it's not big. It is. I love that. Don't act like it's not big. It is big. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Where have we got this mindset that we can't acknowledge the big stuff? And it's okay to say, I don't know. Those are two things that have come through this positivity thing. That we pretend that the big stuff isn't so bad and that we don't want to talk about that or, or say, I don't know. Sometimes that's enough. Just I don't know, but I'm here for you. We'll do this together. That's that carries so much weight. Kind of implies, okay, well, together, at least I don't know alone. I know I don't know with someone and we can kind of try and work it through together. Although serotonin is well known as a brain neurotransmitter, it is estimated that 90% of the body's serotonin is made in the digestive tract. Serotonin serves many functions in the human body, including playing a role in emotions and happiness. So, an unhappy gut can really make you unhappy. Fortunately, there's a solution to healing your gut and boosting serotonin production, probiotics. My favorite is the Daily Symbiotic by Seed because it combines 24 clinically verified, naturally occurring probiotic strains with plant-based prebiotics that can help improve digestion, skin health, heart health, micronutrient synthesis, and help reduce bloating, alleviate occasional constipation, and more. A healthy gut makes a healthy mind and body. Get 15% of your first month of the Daily Symbiotic when you go to visit https forward slash seed.com and use the code MENTALMESS at checkout. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Okay, you say it was God's plan there with God now, which kind of relates to that earlier on. You've got to check into people's religious views before you say something like that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. To comment on that and then at least they lived a long life at least you knew it was coming i cringe when i read these at least and then insert anything you think is worse <laughs> i know people really do say these things though a lot mm-hmm. i i asked my 
my Instagram community to send these to me. And I got like thousands of these. I see that you got a lot of, you got a lot of comments. It's like, I know we cringe at them, but it's also like, we're saying them, you know, we, these things fall out of our mouths when we don't know what to say. So it's better to say, I don't know what to say or nothing because the good chance is, I mean, you had 817 comments. So that's kind of 817 different things that you could say that are going to be unhelpful. So it's safer to say, I don't know what to say or nothing and just be physically there for the person if if I'm hearing you correctly. Yes, I think that is the best route. Yeah. Again, a lot of the suggestions that people gave were very action oriented of like, Mm -hmm show up for me, sit in the pain with me. Don't try to run from it because I can't run from it. Mm, that's so good. Don't try and run from it. People don't know how to deal with that, the, the big stuff. It reminds me of someone that who had a very young 18-year-old had cancer. And she would say that people, and it, before she was part of the, you know, everyone just treated her, her friends treated her like her, who she was. And she got cancer and suddenly she was treated differently and people kind of almost without realizing it were patronizing and, and skirted around the issue. And I said, well, what did you want? She said, all I wanted was for people to acknowledge that this is a big thing. I have cancer. And she got through it, fortunately, but she just wanted people to say, I mean, I mean, to, to acknowledge that she has it and to say, how are you feeling? How is the, what if just acknowledge that you've got the cancer, ask her how she's feeling, but the skirting around and trying to distract her. And and she said she wanted to be able to direct that. She wanted to be able to acknowledge people to say, I'm sorry, you've got this. I don't understand what it can even begin to feel like. What do you need? And she would say, sometimes she said, okay, they distract me, please. I need to just, you know, have something. And other times she actually just wanted to sit and cry and and say why and ask the questions without being told, well, you can't get an answer. Something's better, something, whatever. There's a reason for everything. I hate that one. That's a really bad one. I hate that one. Oh my gosh. That one's horrible. That one's the worst. There's always some, there's a reason. There's a greater purpose behind this. There's all the devils attacking me. That one is like, that one really gets, that one really gets me like, oh, I must be doing something right because all these things are going wrong. I mean, it's these things that are just, yeah, they're crazy. Okay. So I love how you say that in terms of just those statements, it negates the person's experience. It dismisses their pain. It implies that they don't have the right to be upset or should be less upset. That's incredible. Just let's talk a little bit about that statement because I don't think any of us intend anyone not to have the right to be upset, but somehow that word has that impact. Right. Exactly. So I think what we have to look at is if somebody responds to you by saying, this is all part of the plan or everything, there's a reason for everything. And all work out for the good of, you know, it'll work out for the good. Exactly. There are very few ways that a person can respond back to that. You can either tell the person like, you can yell at them and get mad. You can say, wow, thank you. You're so right. Or you can be quiet. And so none of the options like to respond back to me, open up the dialogue or Mm -hmm. allow you to have more of a discussion. And that's what I mean when I say it really shuts down the conversation Mm. and invalidates it because there's nowhere for the conversation to go after that. It's just like, oh, you're right. Why didn't I think of it that way? Which I don't think any of us have ever said when somebody shares one of these things with us. That's so good. Okay, so say that again. What should they be saying? You just made a statement that op- what what opens the conversation for the person? Because as you said, those other statements shut it down. You've got those three options that don't go f- go forward anywhere. They just it's yell, respond, or kind of get rid of the person as quickly as possible with a, some sort of a positive platitude back to them. What opens? But meanwhile, conversation needs to be had, and the issue needs to be faced, and the ugly and the sad and the whatever needs to be. So how do you do that? Yeah, I think the questions always come back to like, 
what's this like for you? What's going on? Can you tell me what's the hardest part? What are you struggling with? Like any open-ended questions and you'll be pretty amazed. I mean, as a therapist, I know this, when I ask one of those questions, I really don't have to ask any more questions. The person's just going to start talking. Mm. And so if you can just think of a way to ask a question that isn't a yes or no, it's open you'll give the person permission to start really sharing their experience. Mm, That's brilliant. So you've got this whole experience and you take the lid off with an open-ended question. And that's what we should be doing. And an open-ended question says, I care enough about you. I validate your experience. I want to hear your story. So that's really good advice to think of questions that are open-ended that allow the person just to start talking. And as you said, as a therapist, once you ask those questions, it all just comes pouring out. You hardly have to ask any more questions, which is amazing. Okay. You said, come on, be positive. They wouldn't want to see you sad. Oh gosh. When I read that one, I thought that is that really like dug deep. Yeah. I think, you know, to go back to the example you were giving about somebody with cancer, like these are messages that we get a lot, right? You need to be strong. You need to be strong for so-and-so. And it implies that mm. being strong means not showing emotions. Oh. And so oh. I think anything. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Being strong, the definition of being strong is not showing emotions, which is the complete opposite of being strong. So wrong. I mean, the strongest people that I know, I think, are the people that are able to really show their full range of emotions and be vulnerable. So if you're going to share a statement with somebody that discourages them from being emotional, that's one that I would like take a step back and think, ugh. What's the impact of this? Mm, that's so good. And, and I love what you said. That's totally brilliant that the people that you see that are the strongest are the ones that are showing their full range of emotion. So they're the ones that are screaming, shouting, crying, swearing. I feel like this. I feel like that. They're able to express it. They're going, but they keep going. And then another knock comes and they express all the emotions and it looks like they're falling apart, but they get it out. And that's what we see from my, my work with the mind-brain connection. When you keep it in, it's damaging in your brain. I mean, I always use this toxic tree. You get the, t- it's, which is because thoughts are real things. They, they occupy mental real estate. They're made of proteins and these thoughts have got all their memories inside. But when you keep it in, your brain is not wired for that. So it causes more damage. So you've got to get it out. And the people, because in my experience as well, as a clinician for 25 years and as a researcher for 38 years and as a mom of four and just being a person is express it, get it out. Up and you know, get and I've tried to help my kids do that and I know with myself, but I agree with you. If I look at my patients, the ones that were really able to and just people that I know the ones that seem like they they just keep getting up and getting going it's kind of like they restore and it does happen we see that in the brain when you get that out you start seeing shifts in the brain in terms of the the, the energy flow which then it strengthens the brain and increases the resilience so then the feedback loop into the mind is that oh I actually physically feel better because then your cortisol drops and your homocysteine drops and your all kinds of great so you feel physically like okay I can get up again you know so that's I, I, I think that's so good you, you mentioned that everything happens for a reason okay we briefly touched on that. Let's just dive into that a little bit because it's not helpful because a lot of death, especially traumatic loss, makes absolutely no sense. Sometimes there is no reason. You are trying to quickly make sense of something that likely doesn't make sense to the other person. Quickly make sense. Okay, so talk about those three. Yeah, when we use that phrase, we're kind of just, again, dismissing it and saying, this will all make sense at some point. I think there are a lot of things that don't ever make sense. Somebody who was assaulted, attacked, Mm. the loss of a child. There are all these big events that I don't know that there's any good reason for those happening. Even if something good does come from it, Mm -hmm. 
I always say like, you can be grateful for a lesson and wish that you could have learned it in a different way. Yeah. And so there's not always like a a reason for things. And when we try to do that, I find that the person who's sharing it wants it to make sense for them. Yeah. They're trying to help. Exactly. And because it, it's kind of scary to live in a world where things happen that don't make sense. Yes. And so we want to make ourselves feel better and the other person, but we have to be able to sit with that discomfort that like sometimes things just don't add up. And be able to live with that. It may, you may have to live with that the rest of your life. And it's just that things just, there's, there, there, as you say, there's just no good reason for tragedy. I remember when the book with all this, the secrets came out, the secret came out. And I remember someone writing a comment. It always stuck out of the thousands of comments I read about that. Someone was saying, so you saying that the Jews in the, in the concentration camps attracted that to themselves. And they, they could not answer that. And, you know, there's, there's no, see, I mean, I've been to Auschwitz and I don't mean to go so down done such a dark hole but there there is no reason for that and there's no sense in that and how do you ever make sense of something like that racism what's going on around us now there is no reason for it and there is no sense of what happened to George George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and and what's how whites have dominated the culture and there's no reason why a male should dominate a female and there's no reason for those they don't make sense and and all the tragedies and and we've got to you know, as far as possible, change those. Those those are societal changes that have to happen. But you can't ever say that George Floyd, that there was a reason and that God had a plan. I mean, that's how how can we say that? It's just, it's almost cruel in a way, isn't it? It is. It is. And mm-hmm. that's where I've seen toxic positivity being mm-hmm. used again is these statements of like, but look at all the good it's brought. And now this change is going to come. And it's to me, like you're saying, mm-hmm. cruel to rationalize someone's death as mm-hmm. as a reason for so much good. We should have mm-hmm. just been able to do it without that happening. Exactly, without that happening. And, and now the fact that it has happened, the better statements would be something along the lines of that is terrible. There is no reason for that ever. And that's a situation. But this is also a situation. Racism should not, we've got to do something, we've got to change that. But we can't say that's to, and it's unfortunate that the one awareness, it, it shouldn't be that George Floyd brought this awareness to us. And so we've got to sit with that. Why is, why, 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 why are we like that as humans? Why do we have, we had that situation? And I don't think that our society has allowed enough of us exploring that. It's always that we've got to just slap on this, the lid on the box before we allow Pandora's box to open and start allowing the, all the, and it's part of life. This messiness is part of life. Mm-hmm. It you know, absolutely it, is. Yeah. yeah. We're putting you, a bandaid on something that needs much more than that. <laughs> And it's not helping, is it, Whitney? If you look at the, if we look at this at society now, you know, I've watched this for thirty-eight years, and I said this, and I think I might have said this on the live, but I watched how at the beginning of my career, how, and I was trained as a cognitive therapist and also as a communication pathologist, so I worked a lot with learning issues and things as well. But I just saw a transition from teams getting together and families getting together and society trying to, not that it was perfect and ideal, but there was a philosophy of we've got to. Look at what's going on that's ugly and deal with that and face that and work through it to, oh, we've got a tablet for it. Quick fix, you know, like quick fix. So with the technologic, with the technological advances and with the medical advances, we've actually gone backwards. And I actually said this in my book. I said, I feel like we've gone forward at 10 steps, but we've gone back a hundred because we've kind of left out the humanity. We've almost removed the humanity and turned ourselves into avatars and try to medicalize human misery and, and suffering. And this is the kind of result we get. You know, we, we get these ridiculous 
platitudes and toxic positivity happening. So I don't know if you want to comment on that. I went on a bandwagon there. I don't know if you want to make a comment around that. I totally agree with you. I think that's why we have to get back to, again, like how do we relate to each other as humans and how can we look at what's actually going on in the world and with each other and not, we can't just like put a bow on it and say it's good. Exactly. And and then meanwhile, there's all this festering wound underneath. We have to get, and I think, I think COVID-19 with people quarantining, the way I've been talking about it quite a lot, and I wanted to ask you about this because I think it relates to toxic positivity, is that we've come through a period of increasing technological development, as we've said, and we've got I call it hurry sickness. We've got into the state of, there's a few people that call it that we be so busy that we don't take time to think. But COVID and the quarantine has shifted that. So we've been putting a Band-Aid on the wound for such a long time and now we can't anymore. It's like the, the Band-Aids aren't sticky. You know when a plaster gets cream on it and it slides off, it won't stick on your body. It feels to me like the Band-Aid doesn't work anymore. And we've reached a point in society where we actually have to deal with the wound. And we don't like it because we haven't been trained in that. We've been trained, oh, you're sick. There's, you've got a disease if you feel an emotion. It's just the most shocking way. And then slapping on a drug that causes shortening of lifespan. And, and the, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the population statistics shifted. They did. A, they started the study, one of the huge big population analyses back in the mid 90s and in 2014 between 2014 and 2015 they saw that people are for decades people have been living longer but now they are dying younger between the ages of 24 and 65 is the age group that's the most hit so kids are losing parents and people have been struck down in their prime and they're relating it to lifestyle and the huge part the biggest factor is lifestyles driven by mind so lifestyle is not just food and diet it's actually how you're thinking and I've just finished my 18th book as I mentioned and I've written a lot about this in my book called cleaning up your mental mess but it's one of the this this mind factor and a toxic positively feeds into that because if you have a mind factor that I've just got to slap a band-aid and an affirmation and just say these things but not deal you actually are shortening your lifespan because you're and, and, and some of the research I've done shows if you don't deal with stuff and you suppress anything that's suppressed causes the major disruptions in energy flow in the brain causes damage to structures in the brain causes damage to our HPA axis our hormones cortisol homocysteine our DNA the telomeres shorten there's significant correlations between all these things so I'm saying that to say that toxic positivity isn't something that doesn't affect you. What we're discussing now, this is very real. This is toxic positivity is a toxic mindset and it actually is damaging to to ourselves and to others and to society and it's something that we need to address and shift. So I'm very very pleased that you're bringing it in such a, a such a eloquent way to people's awareness. Thank you. I I totally agree with you and I think some people when they hear toxic positivity it's like no, positivity is good for me. You're the one that's being negative or whatever. And the way you just explained it is that this isn't like just a, a pop culture type of like phenomenon. This is something that really affects us on a Every biological level. genetic level that we really have to look at. We do. We found in our control group with this most recent clinical trial where they didn't have mind management, but we created awareness. So with all the psychological narrative and by physiological and neurophysiological testing, they had multiple test points. So the control subjects were getting the same as the experimental, but they didn't get the mind management. So with awareness of stuff without management, they suppressed. So they pushed things down. So the control group, that's the control group who didn't manage it. They became aware, oops, and then slapped on whatever platitude or positive affirmation or technique that they had been using. And the more you suppress, the more you push down into an unconscious mind, the more you disrupt the energy flow in the mind to the brain. And the brain was like, literally, we had millennials that were young with brains that were, that were uh, so 
so it's so filled with anxiety. So the, the the wave patterns were so negative that it was affecting significantly affecting the chromosome level that their telomeres, which are the little thing my fingernails on the X's of X being a chromosome, that was significantly shortening. So I'm saying that to undergird the discussion we're having today will affect you right down to the level of your DNA. But once you manage those things, once you say, okay, well, maybe I need to look at what I'm saying. Maybe I need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Those reverse. We saw that reversing. We saw brains healing. We saw telomeres lengthening. So it, it changes, which is amazing that we with our minds can actually change, shift our physiology and our neurophysiology. Right, right. It's so wild to me, though, that you're doing all this wonderful research. We know this. We see in the research about suppression not being good, and we're still getting pushed and pressured to constantly like, just become more positive and slap on the Band-Aid, like we were saying. So it's, oh. I'm glad that we're starting to have these conversations. I am more. too. I am too. And it's, I think we've shifted. I think we've come to, and that's why, I, as I said earlier on, I think this COVID-19 quarantine shift pandemic, the world globally facing the same enemy has revealed the ugliness, especially in this country, that, you know, the partisan, how a medical thing has become a political divide and the fighting and which countries haven't done it. Such a, we're seeing a global picture so quickly of when we don't deal with stuff and we don't come together in a coherent way, things can actually, a lack of coherence creates chaos. And same thing in your mind, a lack of coherence creates chaos. And I see toxic positivity as creating that lack of coherence as a sign of it, one of the symptoms. Absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. So where can people find out? What is there anything else that you'd like to say about this before we end? I mean, there's so much we can discuss. Is there anything that you else you... We covered all the really good points of it. If anyone needs to find me or would like to find me, you can find me on Instagram at sitwithwit. At my email website, everything is there. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. And I strongly recommend people go dive into this information. And you give very practical how-tos. But give me a wisdom, a pearl of wisdom takeaway. What would you say to people about what advice, even if it's a few sentences, how would you sum up our conversation? Which would, would be a good starting point for people from here? From here, I would start by just allowing yourself to experience your emotions as they come up, validating them and getting curious about what they might mean rather than denying the emotion or trying to just instantly become more positive. I think that's a great place Wonderful. to start. Fantastic. And then in terms of, of not, of, of trying to, if the starting place for toxic positivity, what would you say would be something that people, to check, that, to check in that they're not doing that, what should they rather do? Yeah. Go back to, again, how we were saying, ask questions, get curious. Take the um, lid off. Yeah, focus less on fixing the problem and making the person feel better and more on how can I sit with them in this moment and be with them right here. Wonderful. That's a fantastic summary of our conversation. Whitney, thank you so much. I love talking to you. I think you and I could like really dive deep into this stuff and go, I could like pull up all your posts and let's talk about all of them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And it's been fascinating. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. 
Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.